Welcome to the Information Entry Podcast, where we unravel the complexities of the modern world. Today we are diving into the fascinating realm of synthetic biology, a field that's reshaping our understanding of life and technology. Join us as we explore how scientists are rewriting the code of life to solve some of the most pressing challenges of our time. From designer organisms to revolutionary medical breakthroughs, synthetic biology stands at the frontier of innovation. My name is Mitchell. I am joined, as per usual, by Tom. How are you doing today, Tom? Oh, I'm doing good, mate. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Can, can he complain? Good. Bit cold. Oh, a bit nippy. If I had in, to in the, in the UK. throw one gripe out into the world, <laughs> good gripe. Um, it would yeah. be that. Yeah. yeah. It's been. We are like two duvets, a blanket, and then an electric blanket to get into bed at the moment. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's just... And we've got the heating that comes on at like from 9 till 10 to warm up the house just so getting into bed is easier. Uh, yeah, you have to have a warm bed. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm currently double layering as we speak. Double um, on yourself? Are you too hoodied up? Double hoodied? No. Double, double t-shirt. Double t-shirt. Well, I've got a long sleeve and a short what? sleeve over the top. Then a hoodie. Okay, that's not okay. The long sleeve. That's a long sleeve. That's long sleeves on t-shirts, mate. Don't, no, it's don't basically double, a double thermal. T-shirt, it's a, basically I, a thermal. This idea of you wearing like two t-shirts <laughs> the same length. <laughs> no, like, that, that would be slightly weird. Uh, yeah. uh, I could have phrased that better. Um, you could, yep, yep, yep. And then thermals and joggers. So thermals and or thermal trousers and then joggers. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, just gets in your bones otherwise. Yeah, especially up the north where you are. It's not too. It's just. It's been so miserable in terms of like hyper windy and also hyper rainy. Yes, and then some cold to throw in into that mix. It's been a bit miserable here. Um, I guess I went out to a a Christmas market down uh in the the center of Plymouth. Um. And it was like everybody was inside. There was like food stands like outside where they've obviously got the vans. They came up and nobody was outside because it was actually peeing it down. <laughs> and everyone uh, was like, yeah, we don't want to queue out in the rain. And I was like, oh, I feel so bad. Because it's only on for like six nights over the course of like three weeks. Is it? That's wild. Three nights over two weeks. Yeah. It's not open that before that, that amount of time. We went to uh, the Christmas markets in Glasgow on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, that was the day where up here, uh, it snowed everywhere, cars crashed into each other, ice. Oh, I yeah. think it got to, that was the night it got to minus four. And Oof. then it stayed, like I think minus one was the highest it got that day. Minus one. And uh, kid you not, there were people walking around in shorts. Ah, oh, yeah, that would have been me. What's going on? It was bloody freezing. I legitimately don't think I've got any like feeling in my legs. It's the free below the knee kind of guy. Yeah, free below the knee kind of guy. But like, uh, my top gets cold. Yeah, like torso, arms, head, ears, that kind of thing. But I genuinely don't think I feel any sort of temperature in my legs. But my feet can get, get cold. But the, my feet getting cold doesn't like concern me at all. No, like, oh, I'm exactly just... the same. I I know they're cold, but it doesn't affect me. Yeah. And then uh, when I get into just... bed, George is like, you keep those feet away from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then they're, <laughs> then they're weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, exactly. And then they're, they, they're, yeah. they're all in my favour. Yeah. Um, of course, arguments, <laughs> so those <funny>. feet. <laughs> yeah, which was so funny because for the long... 
For the longest time, uh, it was the other way around. And I would have cold feet weaponized against me. But now I Ooh. have the cold feet. So How the turns have tabled. How the turn tables. Right. Cool. Yeah. Um, if you're still listening, um, <laughs> feel free to follow us on a social media platform of your choice. Of that we may or may not your use. Choice. I would suggest Instagram at Information Entry Pod. That's yeah. where we're most active and most likely to see your messages. Mm. Yep. Um, so yeah, I thought I'd give out that call to action since we just skipped straight past that with our we, we did. Feet. Apologies. Apologies. Straight into feet I talk. Thought, I thought for, for <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I thought for once we could just skip the whole like pressing people into following us, but it's okay. I know we're socially awkward, mate, but it's gotta be done. We are, we are. We it's are. gotta be well, done. Well, you know what? People, people think I'm really socially awkward. I went to a neighbourly get-together uh, and was perfectly fine conversing with the neighbours. That's very um, adult of you. I, it felt adult. Well, wow. it felt adult until That's... everyone started drinking and I was like, oh, yeah, everyone's just children. Yes, yeah, of course, <laughs> yes. Which is always the case. It's like, oh, yeah, and everyone's just deep down inside. Everybody's a child's. Uh, and I everyone do has a wonder, of time. right, whether that's like our generation growing up still wanting to be children when we grow up, because or oh, like my, whether uh, that's my, just our neighbours kind of are not our age. <laughs> there was like a forty-year-old, a fifty-year-old, oh, okay. uh, someone close to us. Yeah, it's it's not not just. I guess us. everyone should have will have that experience growing up. Then, yeah, I think well, as soon as every, it, gets, it gets a bit silly, great, get a bit silly without um, a care in the world. Out here in the world, yeah. Like, call to actions. Cool. We've done, done those. Tick. News. On to the next thing. You had some news about CRISPR. We'll come on to that when this, this section arises. Yes. This week we are doing synthetic biology, which is about CRISPR, synthetic agriculture, artificial organs, maybe some biosecurity. We'll, we'll dabble into all those things. But for now, the news. And I wanted to cover this because I thought it was really A, funny, B, interesting. Um... And it was all to do with the, uh, did you see the genome? Which is weirdly like CRISPR, but the genome project. The, the human one? No. Oh. The artificial um, intelligence. The AI that created new materials. Oh. No. Did you see this? Yeah, so the so. project started um, and it created entirely new materials it's like first round so the system known as a lab it devises recipes for materials including some that might use like in fact solar cells that's why they want to use it because to find things that are more efficient or things that humans can have figured out or take takes a while for us to work out or, or test yeah uh this system then it carries out syn uh, synthesis and analysis analysis of the products all without human intervention whatsoever and meanwhile there's another ai system that has predicted the existence of hundreds of thousands of stable materials giving a lab plenty of candidates to try for in the future so there's two there's one like machine that does everything like it's got all the different samples mixes it does the reactions that kind of stuff and then they've got an ai in the background that's pumping out um loads of different materials that i think it could exist and it's done all the, like the what would you call it so you've got analysis. the thinker yeah you've got the thinker and then you've got the doer the doer yeah and essentially what the, do the doer is doing is replacing like a lab technician but doing it being so incredibly fast and 24 7 yes. to get this this done and they will the, create analyze report results right yes continuously. that's wild 
and that's what they're looking for. Um, so the materials project based in Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory in Berkeley, California, has collectively come up with 48,000 materials that they predict are stable. So it's not just, hey, here's some materials, because some of them obviously are not going to be quite, quite as stable as the others. It's here, here's a bunch of materials, and then they are actually usable. Um, so Google's DeepMind uh, has now has a, the supersized approach of what they were doing, um, which has got its graphical network of materials exploration, Genome. After training on data scraped from that project's database, Genome tweaked the composition of known materials to come up with 20, uh, sorry, 2.2 million potential compounds after calculating whether these materials would be stable and predicting their crystalline structure, the system produced a final tally of 381,000 new inorganic compounds to add to the materials project database, which they then go on and will try and see if they're stable. Hmm. Interesting. It, That's wild, really. Yeah, when I, when I saw this, I was like, this is absolutely crazy. So essentially what they would describe it as is... It's like chat GPT, but for materials discovery. So, um, so in all, the A-Lab, it took 17 days to produce 41 inorganic materials, nine of which were created only after active learning improved the, the um, synthesis. Of the 17 materials that Lab A didn't manage to make, most failed because of experimental difficulties. Some materials were synth synthesized eventually, but only after human interaction, like... Like it was to do with like halfway through they had to like grind something right. a bit better halfway through a reaction so it couldn't do that like it was throwing errors in its like processing but still after it continued to do that although there was human intervention for a little bit but we still need humans and we still need people to have that knowledge it then finished those seventeen. Actually, it's kind of wild that it goes. <laughs> oh, I need to extract this this material by grinding it. And I need to extract this material by doing this. And it can do that all autonomously. Yeah. With the samples that it has. moving. That's actually insane. And it's really smart to use AI instead of humans. Because um, it can just do, run so many simulations. Yeah. And so quickly. Yeah. That's another thing which is just boggling. That's pretty insane. Very insane. Very insane cool. I wonder where like, that will pop up next. Medicine, maybe could be a good. Yeah, I want. I wonder if that will go through. I'm sure there's like because it they haven't said what the material, the chemicals, properties, and what they're doing. If they're just compounds, but if they're making synthetic things, I'm sure they can then tweak it to be like, okay, we need we need something that's good for like healing. I was saying in a really broad air quotes because yeah. that's not really. There's no secret to like healing, but um, yeah, I wonder if that could be the case. Get a chug, chug, mate. Yeah, chug chug just, <laughs> and then you got shields and health. It's a great time, really. We should just get it's everyone just, an overshield. It's just a great what time. What if that happened? Yeah, you woke up in the morning. <laughs> Halo noise, <laughs> yeah, and you know to get on with your day. Halo noise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, all right. So synthetic biology. Yes. Synthetic biology. I got a couple facts related yeah, same. to synthetic biology. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I guess for people who don't know what it is, we'll get onto the strict definition in in a minute. But uh, places you might have seen this before, or topics related to this, 
Jurassic Park, probably the most famous one. Uh, where obviously they recreated dinosaurs by extracting DNA, manipulating it, and then putting it inside something. I can't remember what species they used as a uh, surrogate. Ooh, yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head. They used... Uh, what species was it? Was is it like a mammoth? Like mm-hmm. in the mouth, like an element, uh, elephant. Jurassic Park. Um, how they surrogate? Wish I could spell. Um, frog DNA. I don't think they used a actual surrogate to lay the eggs. Okay. Sure. No, I'm not. If I'm honest. But um, ChatGPT will know. A Jurassic Park, the fictional process of cloning dinosaurs, involves using frog DNA and a surrogate Xenobots. to fill the gaps. Specifically, Dr. Henry Wu um, explains this. The spe- frog species mentioned is the West African frog, Xenopus lavis. Basically, the frog DNA was used to fill the genetic gaps, but it says nothing about having a surrogate to lay the eggs. So who knows? Well, another place you might have seen it, Gattaca. I think you mentioned this film a few weeks yeah, back. Yeah, Gattaca. I, I did, yeah. actually. Um, very good. Uh, basically, a world where you have genetically superior and inferior people. And, uh, yes. Yeah. Horrible ethics. But a uh, good plot. <laughs> Very wouldn't make uh, a good story otherwise. Um, um, what, what facts you got then? There's also, other, you, you've, you've, there's also other uh, Blade Runner. Oh, see, I was thinking this, but then I thought they have synths. They have synthetics, which yeah. are robots. Yeah. Which imitate life. But they're not trying replicants. to create it. Replicants. No, the replicants are bioengineered. They've got bioengineering in them. Do they? Yeah. Okay. But they are using AI to try and obviously recreate the human mind as well. So it, it does work. But yeah, I didn't know whether to put that on the list or not. That was the gripe that came up in my head. But uh, okay. Um, it was Westworld? invalid. Westworld. Synthetic androids. Yes. Uh, artificial life. You've got Brave New World by... Huxley. Human beings are artificially grown. It's a, a fantastic book. Would 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 recommend. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bioshock, the game. Of course. The whole first of Bioshock. You are synthetic biology. You're stabbing yourself with. Um, well, I can't remember what the 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 things are now. What were the magic powers? I was never really that mm. into it. Um, but you're right. Yeah, you, you find things. Just you go, oh, oh, Adam, process Adam to you, in, you inject stem cells in your body, and it gives you special powers called plasmids. Yeah. Um, and I always, <laughs> it's like welcome to the circus of values is the jingle that it says when you go to the shop. And every single time in my head, I'm like, I open shop in any game. I'm like, welcome to the circus of values. I'm like I paid <laughs> way too much for shock in my life. Um. <laughs> There were others as well. Spider-Man, just the biggest, just, a, just, just one. Oh, that's Spider-Man. true. Yes. Spider-Man is a big one. Spider-Man is quite a big one. Yeah. Um, 
Because they bioengineer the that spice behind her. The Hulk is just straight up. Um, no. What do you mean no? He he's not. Uh, that is not synthetic biology. He is just exposed to gamma radiation, and that's an offshoot of it. Yes, Whereas when in Spider-Man, the spider is actually synthetic biology in itself. Yes, is what I'm, is, is the line. I I'm, guess what, I'm what I was thinking was in the later films when he's Smart Hulk with the glasses. He's genetically modified his DNA to deal, like, become half and half. But yes, you, you're right. The the original exposure is not synthetic biology. Indeed. Indeed. A lot of superpowers, I would say. Yes, that sounds about right. Um, in the real world, though, in the real it's been used world. to make bioluminescent plants. Your, but yeah, that's true, that has. As an example, um, if and you didn't hear that uh, under Mitch's beautiful singing, uh, <laughs> bioluminescent plants is what I said. Um, introducing genomes from bioluminescent organisms such as fireflies into plants, scientists have engineered plants that emit light without external light sources. Why? Because they can. Just to check, we have said what synthetic biology is, yeah? No, well, I don't, we have I don't think we have. We're going to come we? into Okay, that. so synthetic biology... Before we even do the facts, otherwise none of this makes sense. They can't, is the you know, interdisciplinary right. field combining biology, engineering, genetics, and computer science to design and construct new biological parts, devices, and systems, and/or systems. Yes, I guess it's like taking or treating biological organisms as machines that you can subsequently, like a machine, engineer and program as you like. Yes. Yes. Um, so. Some scientists looked at a plant and went, bet you I can make that glow in the dark. And they did it. That's fair. They've also done that with pigs. Yes. I think. Well, yeah, they did do it with pigs. We checked this out a while ago. Oh, we did. You're right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Dear me. Dear me. Well, other on the, on the list of um, facts, first synthetic organism was made in 2010. Oh, was it? Yeah, with a completely synthetic genome. Oh, like Bamzuki. Yes, like Bamzuki. <laughs> that is a deep cut is. reference that a lot of people just won't get. No, if you get that, then fair play. Hit us up yeah. somewhere, please. Um, preferably Instagram. And let yeah, us know Bamzuki. if you ever went onto that website what? and created a Bamzuki. Yeah, Bamzuki was just fantastic. For anyone who doesn't know, it was like this really weird early 2000s TV show <laughs> where kids would go onto the program and make their own, like, animal out of... Honestly, I don't know what... It, like, you'd get a body type and you'd attach legs to it and you'd morph it. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, then yeah. it would have to create... Uh, it would have to complete different obstacle courses and fights and You would like have to... So I spent a lot of time on that. You would have to design its uh, movement... So you actually had to like, what would you call it? The like in, in animation when you do like keyframes of how like oh, the legs yes, work. Yes, that's right. Oh, I do remember this website now. Yes, I think it was to try and get kids into like engineering, but also understanding like locomotion or evolution. It's kind of like Digimon, but make your own. Yeah, it was like it was a wild time. Yeah. <laughs> The early 2000s really were. 
<laughs> so really well really were just crazy uh no it was it was it was crazy times but it was such a good idea oh for sure uh really going to that um any other facts um no biofuels synthetic biology techniques are being used to engineer microorganisms for producing biofuels more efficiently okay nice that's another one also, synthetic foods, because that counts as synthetic biology. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Massively, like, rapidly growing lab meat and dairy products offering sustainable food options. Yeah. I know there's a... I think the only place they're allowed to sell it at the minute is Singapore. There's a company out there making chicken. Um, well, sorry, chicken. Legally, we can't call it chick- that, that in this country. Can we not? No, like you can't call it like vegetarian sausages. You can't call them sausages because they're not. And it went oh, to court and they said, I get it. no, yeah. just because you have the shape of a sausage doesn't mean you can call it a sausage. Okay. Sausage. Um, I, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with them. I'm with them. Like burgers, a burger. You can't just be like, oh, that's not, that's not even right because the burger's a whole bun, but like the patty yeah, yeah. and stuff. I get it. Uh, you, you've lost me there, mate. But uh, yeah, I would, I would 100% try that if it was over here when it makes its way over, which I'm sure it will eventually. It just needs to be... The fake meat. Fake meat burgers. Yeah. Um, better production line and cheaper to do, I suppose. Yeah. But um, It I'll, comes. It's time. It'll come. It'll come. I've got some key features of synthetic biology. Okay. Um, yeah. It's kind of like help people understand it who may not have heard of it before. Obviously, we're given a definition. But most synthetic biology goes through the same sort of processes. So you start off with your design and construction phase. Uh, we have artificial, perhaps biological systems, or the modification of existing biological systems uh, for a useful purpose. Uh, we say useful purpose, but useful to the human. The in- I was going to say the inventor, but I guess the, the modifier. Uh, this can include creating new organisms, as Mitch mentioned, or modifying the genetic makeup of existing ones. You, of course, have DNA manipulation at the core of synthetic biology. Um, DNA obviously being the genetic material that carries instructions for the development, functioning and reproduction of all living organisms. But there are various techniques that scientists can use, such as CRISPR-Cas9, to precisely modify CRISPR. DNA. CRISPR. Yeah. Um, various applications, which Mitch has already alluded to. Uh, some of them, biofuels, drugs, sustainable ag- agriculture. <laughs> drugs. Um, so in synthetic biology, researchers often work with standardized biological parts called biobricks. Now, these are specific DNA sequences that can be combined to create new and functional biological systems. So DNA is made up of different base pairs. They're essentially amino acids that are grouped together and they attach in certain ways. Um, Mm -hmm. If you have uh, basically a few of those in a row to create a short sequence, um, they use these as these bio bricks. I guess you could think of them as different Lego brick colors that you stitch together to create something because... DNA and proteins and such only work when they have a specific 
order. But in the case of DNA, they have to be read in a specific order uh, to create something and change how it works. Now, of course, there's ethical considerations when it comes to synthetic biology and gene editing. Of course, this is not allowed to be done in humans. I think there's a general CRISPR memoratorium. Um, apart from that one time, some Chinese doctor did it to two children. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then it uh, never happened again. Yeah, well, so they uh, say. Yeah. Yeah. So they say, so they say. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll, we'll come on to a bit more of that later. Um, mm mm-hmm. But yeah, why don't we dive into something of yours? Oh, I looked at the history of synthetic biology. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, the history of it, yeah, see where it started back in the back end of the day. Minnesota. But, um, so, yeah, I'm not sure how this... how this, well, the Because it started in 1944, and that's never a good time to go like, <laughs> this happened in science history... Because, you know. Yes, some group of goons. Some group of disgusting individuals um, did some just. I'm not, I'm not even going to go into it. But yeah, so in 1994, 1944, Oswald Avery demonstrated that DNA is the material of genes and chromosomes laying the foundation for genetic research. That's how far back we're going. No. Oh. Um, then we move on to 1953. The structure of DNA was published by Francis Crick and James Watson. Yes. And who do they always leave out? Um, what's her name? Ah, oh, apologies. Rosalind Franklin. Rosalind Franklin. The yes. true discoverer. The, f- the true. <laughs> Not that we want to say Watson and Crick stole the work and claimed it for themselves. But that's exactly what they yeah. did. Not that they had no input, but uh, Franklin putting in the real hard work. Yeah. Putting in the hard work. Then in 1973, is the dawn of synthetic biology is marked by the first molecular cloning and amplification of DNA in a plasmid of uh, Cohen, Boyer and others. Then in 1978, the Nobel Prize for Physiology and Medicine was awarded for the discovery of the restricted enzyme, heralding a new era of synthetic biology. In 1988, the first DNA amplification using polymazerine chain reaction, the PCR, was published, simplifying DNA mutagenesis and assembly. That sounds, great. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, the, in uh, you study that a lot in A-level biology, PCR, and yeah. also undergrad level biology oh it just becomes a bane of your existence never even actually got to do it <laughs> but it's one of those things you just study over and over and over yeah bullshit uh <laughs> <laughs> in uh, 2000 the creation of the synthetic biology circuits including a genetic toggle switch and a biological clock was reported 2003 the bio brick plasmid and standardized dna parts were invented becoming essential to the iGEM competition 2004, the first international conference for synthetic biology was held at MIT. In 2010, the first synthetic bacteria genome uh, was published. 2011, the functioning functional synthetic chromosome arms were engineered in yeast. 
In 2012, the CRISPR-Cas9 system for DNA targeting was published, revolutionizing gene editing. And in 2019, a synthetic form of E. coli was created with a reduced genome, and the first bacterial genome entirely designed by a computer was reported. And in 2020-2021, the creation of the self-replication of Xenobots, a programmer programmable synthetic organisms were reported and we actually covered them they're the ones that like Are drag terrifying. themselves along yeah absolutely fucking terrifying <laughs> i swear like, they're the prelude to gray goo um yeah gray goo it's... for those not in the know is one of the the theorized i guess synthetic organisms that a society could produce where all it has is the pro instructions to travel somewhere, break everything down it meets into its constituent atoms, make more of them and rockets, and then travel to a new star system and repeat. Mm -hmm. um, and it would be a very effective way to wipe out all your enemies. But um, also yourself accidentally if you spilled a bottle. Yes. Yeah. It's not the best. Just theory for now, though. Just theory. Um, but what's not? Yeah, agree. Theory... But the Xenobots not is the Xenobots. It's the Xenobots. They are. They are not just theory. They exist and are scary. Yeah. Uh, they can, they're living robots that can reproduce. It's just a terrifying thing. Yeah, it's kind of weird. They look weird as well. I haven't. Seen, I don't know if I've ever seen a picture. Yeah. Xenobot. Oh. There's videos of them. That. There's yes. videos of them of them because like just pushing things around in circles. Just I remember learning. you bringing it up when they first came out, and then Xenobots yeah. Two came out. Yeah. Yes, I remember this. Boogaloo. Yep. Just crazy. Wild. And so there've been two versions the of that, and they only came out in 2020. <laughs> they yeah. only dropped the Xenobots in 2020. Oh dear. Well, I for one welcome our Xenobot overlords. <laughs> I for one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll take this chance to hop into CRISPR-Cas9 since you mentioned it there, and it's often used as the vehicle for which, <laughs> for which synthetic <laughs> biology is uh, built upon. Mm. So, for those of you who are not in the know, CRISPR-Cas9 is short for. Clustered, regularly, interspaced, short, palindromic repeats. And the protein associated with it is CRISPR-associated protein 9. Short, CRISPR-Cas9. Very yeah, inventive the, the biologists. The full name doesn't really like, roll off the tongue. It does doesn't, it, does it? Honest. Honestly, if someone said the full name to me, I'm literally reading it. It doesn't make me understand anymore. Um, <laughs> the name itself, however, does reflect the key components and functions of the system. CRISPR refers to the specific DNA sequences found in the genomes of bacteria and other bio uh, microorganisms where these uh, sequences contain short, partially palindromic repeats, which are interspersed with DNA sequences that are derived from past invaders. Essentially, CRISPR is the bacterial immune system and it basically acts as a memory of when it passed uh, got invaded by viruses and other bacteria so like our immune system works it remembers previous viruses so it can attack them better in the future uh, mm -hmm. bacteria you have a similar system and, and it uses these palindromic uh, dna sequences and basically when a virus comes in it goes oh 
I'm going to remember that next time and add a little bit into the DNA so it remembers that. Cas9, however, is the uh, CRISPR-associated protein, and it's an enzyme in the system. Uh, it functions like molecular scissors, and essentially you can tailor Cas9, the protein, to look for certain sequences. Let's say you want it to cut a DNA sequence. We have AACT. It will run all the way along the DNA until it finds AACT, and then it will just cut the DNA sequence at that point. So it's really, really efficient way of cutting DNA at specific sequence uh, target locations if you know where you want to cut. Um, so the guide RNA is specifically, and it's basically made of two parts. The guide RNA, which is mm -hmm. specifically designed RNA molecule that serves as the targeting system. You make a complementary base pair of the DNA um, on a single strand, which is RNA, and then you attach that to the protein, and then the protein goes along until it finds something where the RNA can attach to the DNA and then cuts it. That's essentially nice. how it works. Um, so yeah, scientists design the guide RNA to match the sequence of the target. This ensures that the guide RNA binds specifically to the desired genomic location. The guide RNA and Cas9 protein form a complex. The guide RNA guides the Cas protein to the exact location and... Um, once bound to the target DNA, the Cas9 protein induces a double-stranded break at the precise location. This break activates the cell's natural repair mechanisms. The cell's repair mechanisms then come into play to fix the DNA. And this is where different therapies or different mechanisms will... You'll either do one of two things. The first method is non-homologous end-joining. This is where you can add DNA into these places where it's been cut. So when the, the cell goes to repair the DNA, it'll come along and then just stitch two pieces back together. If you've inserted something between those two pieces, it just puts it back together thinking that's, that's normal. Mm -hmm. um, so this is how you can lead to insertions, which is where you insert an extra piece of uh, a base pair, deletion, which is where you remove one, or, or mutations, which is where you swap one, but end up with the same overall amount. And the second method is homology-directed repair. And this pathway uses a provided DNA template to repair the cut site. So you cut it, and then you trick the repair mechanism into reading what you want instead of what was there before. And basically, you, yeah, as I say, you get mutations, or you can get precise modification with the second method. One of the weird issues, well, it's not weird, but because DNA sequences are so long, the chance that your target location is the only place along the DNA strand that has the sequence that you're trying to target is very small. So sometimes you get some off-target effects. And this is where you end up cutting DNA, yes, at your target location, but also at accidentally other places. And if you're not careful, you have no idea what effect that's going to have. You may be mm. creating mutation uh, to change hair color and at the same time creating mutation to have seven legs. Like you just don't know. Um, obviously, trial and error, trial and error. Um, you're going to have a good gander. You know, it's not completely stab in the dark random. Oh, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> um, but 
thought about applications of this are treatment of genetic disorders. Um, so there's lots of clinical trials uh, underway for such things. And I've got some news about that later on. Uh, crop improvement, model organisms, reviving endangered species even. Jurassic Park is not just fiction. They are actually trying to recreate the dodo and the woolly mammoth as we speak. But of course... For food. For food, yeah. Yeah, we all know that a dodo would be delicious and that's why they went extinct. I wonder, you know, so I saw a dodo the other day. In a, um, We have a museum here that has lots of animals in um, and lots of like fossils. And uh, they had a dodo and bigger than I thought. Yeah, they're not pretty little things. No, it just looked like a hench-ass seagull though. I don't know if it looked that tasty. <laughs> Yeah, hench seagull is how I would also describe Dodo. <laughs> I'm sure, I angered <laughs> someone there. Um, <laughs> there are some ethics around CRISPR-Cas9. <laughs> so we came across the designer baby situation earlier. So the concern yes, is the ability to edit genes raises the possibility of creating designer babies with enhanced physical or cognitive traits. And I guess the question there is, should we be editing the human germline? Potentially accidentally introducing heritable genetic modifications that come with unknown side effects. Yeah. This is like where you get like uh, specific breeds of dogs have like got back issues or yes, whatever. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So is it is that right to be doing? Um, so they, they've tried to find the children who were apparently CRISPR edited way back when and the doctor is just like they're living a happy healthy normal life and I'm going to respect their privacy um, which is fair which fair. is absolutely fair enough yeah they're also flying rounds like breathing fire out of their hands yeah exactly but, you um, know they're just in his lab not being happening now we know but I guess what we don't know is effects that they may pass on to children if any yeah i think um, if he was being ethical uh, this is a whole it's such a, whole a wormhole wormhole like do you ethics, make right so to ensure that things don't get passed on do you make them infertile yeah um or they may even feel like they shouldn't do it just in shouldn't have children just in case yeah in which case you're taking that choice away from them inadvertently yeah um of course, unintended consequences are also a, a potential side effect, you know, as uh, we spoke about off-target effects. You never really know what you're going to uh, accidentally turn on or turn off. Um, and informed consent is one that kept coming up on the different places I was looking at uh, proposed ethics considerations. So human gene editing, especially for therapeutic purposes, requires informed mm. consent from individuals. So how can you, uh, informed consent be obtained in a way that respects the autonomy and understanding of individuals? So let's say this does become a normal mode of um, therapy. Mm -hmm. Would you like your genome to be edited? And let's say, Mine. so let's say like you were really ill and they're like, we can save you, but the only way is to edit your genome. And then we're going to be like, we don't know what side effects this might have, but um, maybe we request you also don't have children. Who knows? 
like what other things come along with that you know i guess yeah. it may be the next thing like i can imagine a lot of people now given 5g towers went up and a lot of people went crazy right yeah. now with literally without asking you to edit your genome a lot of people ain't gonna trust that aren't gonna trust that are they no not at all. especially people who know the science and trust the science probably won't be that comfortable with that it's never been done in history before um so it's kind of wild mm-hmm. but that does yeah there's, us... there's, a, there's a whole the, the, the consent thing is if you're doing it on a baby can the baby consent yes but i think that's a red herring of an argument because then it's not person because then you get into the same like abortion debate do they consent can they can they give consent to be aborted it's, it's a ridiculous thing true, true especially true. if the the only reason that you're going to do it is to either make their lives better or remove um what could possibly be ad- adversarial effects on their being on yeah. their life like i'm not saying it's like one of those things where um it's really hard to say it's a difficult conversation to have because it's like people that you could remove like i'm not sure if you could remove down syndrome or um like a genetic issue but would they have a better life if they didn't have it is the argument it's such a difficult argument to have because there's people like those people that do have those kind of things um they're not saying necessarily not having a good life but would could you essentially make it better yeah, uh, but it's I so difficult, right? It. Because some people live their whole lives and say that they've had a great life and are having a happy time and wouldn't want it to be another way. But at the same time, there are, it's always going to be in your head if you can potentially improve someone's quality of life, do you have the responsibility to do so? Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm always, I'm always going to be on the side of like genetic engineering because you can get rid of things that like cystic fibrosis yes that, that, is that can that can be brought up. like that's a genetic condition that can be fixed by editing and it's ridiculous that there's so many people against allowing it to happen yeah it's, it's it's just ridiculous but on that there has been some big news in the past month especially here in the uk so Drugs. despite all the concerns it's been thought for decades that crispr technologies would hopefully usher in a new age of medical advancement However, uh, that just hasn't happened, despite the China babies. Um, or the <laughs> Last month, however, the UK changed that. For the first time in the world, UK medicines... Uh, this is from Nature, by the way. Uh, UK medicines regulator has approved a therapy that uses the CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing tool as a treatment. The decision marks another high point for the biotechnology sector blah 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 the therapy called caskevy uh cas as in like cas9 cas and then g-e-v-y that is the brand name it is under will treat the blood conditions sickle cell disease and beta thalassemia now sickle cell disease is a also known as sickle cell anemia can cause debilitating pain um also it changes the shape of your red blood cells which can get clogged in veins and arteries and has a very inefficient way of transporting uh, hemoglobin and thus oxygen and into and carbon dioxide out of the body. Now, beta thalassemia um, 
people uh, is again I think another malformation of hemoglobin transportation and just really poor up- uptake of oxygen. So people with beta thalassemia often require regular blood transfusions, and sickle cell disease is just a lot of pain, tiredness, just quality of life not that great. But the approval by the Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agencies (MHRA) follows promising results from clinical trials that tested a one-time treatment. Um, the trial for sickle cell anemia disease has followed 29 out of the 45 participants long enough. So some of them dropped out. Um, and I'll come on to that in a minute as to why they did that. Um, Kaskevi completely relieved 28 of the 29 people that they followed of debilitating episodes of pain for at least one year after their treatment. Researchers also tested the treatment for a severe form of beta thalassemia, which is conventionally treated with blood transfusions once a month. In this trial, 54 people uh, received Kasgevi, of which 42 participated for long enough to uh, get results. Among those 42 people, 39 of them did not need another transfusion for one whole year. So you've gone from having a monthly procedure to a yearly one with a single treatment. And the remaining three had their need for blood transfusions reduced by more than 70%. So still a massive change. Um, The only problem, I guess, with this method right now and why people were dropping out is it requires bone marrow transfusions, Mm. which are very painful, brutal. um, And it's taking stem cell, uh, I guess, see our stem cells out uh, but requiring them to be regrown so the people who are having this procedure are in hospital for more than a month i thought you said they're inhospitable i was like i can't live on them then (laughs) (laughs) uh probably a bad idea as well but uh yeah they're in hospital for more than a month so i think that's why some people dropped out um or just opted to didn't want to keep checking in with the trial regulations anymore or something like that. I don't know what it was, but yes, twenty-eight out of twenty-nine people didn't need uh, were relieved of pain, at least the debilitating pain episodes for one year with sickle yeah. cell disease, and thirty-nine out of forty-two people with beta thalassemia didn't need a blood transfusion for a year, and the other three only needed it, I guess, once in that year. So, revolutionary news: gene editing is here as a therapeutic method now. And it looks like as of three hours ago, the U.S. is expected to fully approve the use of Kaskevi as well under a different brand name called Exacel. Um, so, yes, if you or anyone you know are affected by such um, diseases, there is hope. Hope on the horizon. Contact your GP slash doctor slash private healthcare specialist now. Yeah, that's going to cost a lot, though, isn't it? What, private healthcare? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of cash money. <clears throat> um, but yeah, that was a bit of like an info- information unload on you all there. But uh, crispy. Yeah, crispy. It's a bit crispy. And, uh, crispy, crispy. There's, yeah. a, there's a bit of background information you need to know about to understand the further things down the line. Um so yeah, that's that's uh, that's the big news of the week, as far as that's concerned. Um, yeah, what have you got then, mate? 
I had to look at some synthetic organs. Oh. Yeah. Does the pacemaker uh, count? No. No. Because it's not an actual... It's not replacing anything. It's assisting. Is it not replacing the... um... Heart? No, mate. No, but the thing on the, the... The thing on the heart that creates the pulse. I don't think so. Yeah, that's fair. I wouldn't even know what to call that, so don't worry about it. <laughs> don't even know what those is. Um, <laughs> um, Christ, what was I looking at? Yes, synthetic organ donors. Um, and it's the reason that this has become so prominent, uh, especially uh lately is the limitation of transplants that exist and also the limitations that of what do you call it rejections of those transplants that are taking place so it's not oh, just yeah. uh you know transplants are happening but it, it's you know, transplants are happening then after they happen there's often the case that they are rejected from the body and this has propelled the development of synthetic organs they bioengineered constructs aim to mimic the structure and functions of natural organs and offering potential solutions to organ failure. Um, there are some key technologies uh, for solutions for organ failure. Uh, one is biocompatible materials, so essentially for essentially for constructing the scaffolding of synthetic organs. These materials include hydrogels, biodegradable polymers, and decellularized organ matrices. Nailed word, it. it. Yes. Uh, also, word. 3D bioprinting is a technique of fabricating three-dimensional structures with precise cellular and extracellular composition. People don't know what 3D printing is. It's essentially for this, you have like cables that feed in the nutrients or materials needed for to build something. And then just like a printer that you've seen for your computer, it goes along instead of it going along a line, it goes around like a 3D structure and then prints loads of things off to build the structure. Uh, and the last one is stem cell technology. It provides the cellular components for synthetic organs where Differentiated stem cells are used to repopulate the organ scaffold. Cool. In my head, I just had the <laughs> from like an actual <laughs> where my head's at. Fun place to be. Yeah, absolutely crazy wild time. So, some examples. What could some examples of this be, Tom? What do you say? What do you think? What do you reckon? Um, oh, I was gonna say skin. Skin is a good, sh good shout. Um, but I don't think they've put it on this because we can't do synthetic skin yet. Okay. Um, I mean, lungs would be a great one. Yes, I think lungs. liver would be quite important. That is on this list. Liver, liver is on this list. Yeah, yeah. so lab-grown livers they employ decellularized liver scaffolds repopulated with hepatocytes and endothelial cells. The, com the complexity of the liver function makes this a challenging endeavor, but advances in microfabrication and vascularization techniques have shown promising results in this area. That's good. So it's it's on the 
on the up and up, as they say. Yeah. I mean, that's quite a, a like a potent one in the, in, in the UK, because everyone and their nan drinks. <laughs> like, Everybody and their mums is drinking around here. Exactly. So, uh, okay. Palmer's mums. Palmer's mums do probably drink, so. They probably need to in Who this weather. Um, no. Tell me about it. Kidneys? Kidneys? Yep, yeah, bio-artificial bio kidneys. These incorporate a hemofilter made from silicone nanotechnologies to mimic the filtration function of nephrons and a bioreactor of renal tubule cells that reabsorb vital nutrients and produce urine. The device is designed to be implantable and work in concert with the body's blood pressure. That's why. How do they... Where do they implant it? Just like instead of the kidney? Yeah, they just replace the kidney. Wild. Which, which I think... Okay, wild thing here. When you get a kidney... Uh, transplant they don't remove the old kidney do they do they not they just leave it in because it's safer to leave it in than to take it out oh does it still work or does it just float about in there um i think they well they don't kill it because then you get sepsis yeah if it's not working or preventing its function it's not truly dead it's just not functioning very well it has no adversarial effect apart from it not doing its job yeah yeah that's wild (laughs) It's like training the new guy to replace you at work. Yeah. Yeah, your own kidney is usually left in place. Like a kidney transplant is a major surgical procedure with wide-ranging potential risks. In short term, these risks include blood clots, all that kind of stuff. But to reduce this, you, you your own kidney is usually left in place and they put another one, like they bosh it on. Huh? <laughs> Which people there is and then this really skews because you know when we say like the average but like the average number of arms in the world or legs is like 1.5 yeah because you know it doesn't work yeah um that really skews up the like how many kidneys there are in the world oh well no (laughs) because the kidney is taken from somewhere right so Oh, that's true. What that's it does true. is it skews up the average number of kidneys in the body. <laughs> <laughs> in a person's body, not in the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, then would it, like, would, it, would it just rebalance out again to two? And maybe it rebalance out again. Or because it's rebalancing out, it's not counting the people who just have one left. Yeah. In which case, maybe it's like 1.9 or something. Maybe. <laughs> mega bell curve. Yeah. Some people with one. Most people with two. Some people with three. <laughs> so weird. So weird. It is, isn't it? Yeah. So that's, so that's awesome things. Uh, the next one you've got is uh, synthetic bladders, uh, which is one of the earliest uh, synthetic organs yes. created using a biodegradable scaffold seeded with the patient's own urethral and muscular muscle cells. Post-implantation, these cells proliferate and integrate with the patient's native tissue, restoring bladder function. That's good. It what is like, great, um, isn't it? a colostomy bag be considered an early no. version of synthetic, like a replaceable organ? Replaceable organ? No, because it doesn't do anything. I get what you mean. It's just a, yeah. It just holds output. it. Yes. Yeah, it's just the output. Like, if I... 
Do you know what? I'm not gonna. <laughs> you don't need to describe. Yeah, you don't. Because no, it, don't it, it. it's it like diminishes uh, people that have to have a, the bag. I can't remember what's called the proper name for it, but I'm not gonna make that comparison. But yeah, moving on. We've got um, we've covered that synthetic hearts, comprising of biocompatible materials. These hearts are mechanically means to replicate the pumping function of a natural heart. New designs focus on mimicking the heart's internal structure using 3D bioprinting provided a more physiologically compatible solution. Another thing they can do now, I think, is they're using scans of the heart to then 3D print the either the same size and internals without obviously what was causing the the issue yeah so when it you go into the body it mimics the first heart very well so there's no issues with like pump regulation oh, and that kind of thing size um, projection is minimized I yeah suppose. um mm-hmm. if you google early artificial hearts some of these things look no is there one that's like on the outside of the body I th- uh not one that's popping up but some of them be big. Yeah. Oh, you get such a bulge. I guess you got you, it, like. Nineteen eighty two was the first. Was the first like implanted artificial heart. Yeah. The Jarvik Seven. Gee, it was huge. Huge. What a big, what a big boy. And it from this diagram, it looks like. Um hung around in the diaphragm area hung around is definitely the case you would feel that it looks like it's just i i presume it's not just hanging off your heart but it looks like it is from this picture um, i'm looking at this uh i'll send it to you but essentially it looks like uh imagine a real heart that has an exhaust pipe on it <laughs> is the only way that i can describe it and it goes like back into the body obviously oxygenates it in a specific yeah, yours looks much better than what mine looks like. Yeah, but mine's a, like the perfect diagram. Yours is probably yeah. more in I am. Yeah, yeah, basically just looks like a a heart in a hollowed out body, so you can see what's going on, and then yeah. a metal tube with PVC piping attached to the heart. <laughs> it it someone, looks like a bit of a just box gone to job. Trago Mills and got some PVC and they've attached it there. Uh, if you know what Trago Mills is, shout out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out to my bros. I know yeah. Trigger Mills. I used to work um, there, you know. Sad times. Umbercarts? Which bit did you which you work on? Oh, the tills. <laughs> oh, just the tills. Oh, okay. This was pre Tesco. And then in the garden centre. Um, garden centre. But that was just, cold all the time. Just so sweaty. The hottest I've ever been. Oh, okay. Really the opposite, unfortunately. Yeah. Say, not just outside. No. Um, sad oh, okay. times, if I'm honest. No, that's fine. there we go. <laughs> the last one on my list of synthetic organs, we've got the artificial pancreas, which integrates glucose sensing technology with insulin delivery systems. These devices continually monitor blood glucose levels and provide insulin or glycon, uh, glycogen as needed, closely mimicking endocrine functions of the natural pancreas, which is going to be really good for people that have diabetes. Oh, 100%. Yeah, because we talked about this on another episode about the the eye. I was going to call it an eye implant, but it's just a contact lens oh, that yeah. <laughs> secretes uh, is it glucose or insulin? One of which insulin, way that you yeah. need it, insulin. Yeah, to then balance it out, but it also inside the uh, the the eye, it monitors the levels for you. So it does all automatically. Yeah. Incredible. I guess the the thing is with uh, diabetes is that it produ- it's sometimes just a lack of production right 
Yeah. So sometimes that's hormonal driven rather than pancreatically driven. Um, so it won't if, help the thing. all times, but it will. Well, be... no, because it, it monitors the. Oh levels. right, I see what you mean. Yeah, it would just artificially so it just would know. It. Well, now you get a top up. Uh, it'd be like going going to the doc, uh, going to the doctor. Imagine like you were going to fill your car up. There's just you get a little <laughs> port on the like your stomach that you open up and put the little nozzle in. Yeah. So, would you like to get our organic bio insulin? <laughs> you get the super fuel, yeah, or you get the organic fuel. Yeah. Oh dear. And what's the difference? Oh, one runs quicker. It's better for the insides. Yeah, one will clean you out as it goes around. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Funny. All right. Uh, anything else you'd like to enlighten us with? <laughs> what do you mean? That's, uh, well, yeah, we get to right? the hour. Is what I'm thinking. Oh, we are at the hour. Look at that. Ah, oh, I had a whole section on like agriculture. But I guess uh, we'll have to leave that open for debate. Well, not much debate when we know nothing about it. We can come back yeah. to it though, because uh, oh, yeah. I'm sure we will. We're, far, we're, we're, we're from the farming country, county. Yes, country. That's true. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. Well, uh, I guess that will bring us to a wrap on this week's episode then. Don't forget to share with your friends, families, co-workers, anyone who will listen. Um, four out of five dentists recommend you listen to this podcast. <laughs> if you want for more fun information, science, you can follow us on Twitter and TikTok at InfoEntryPod, Instagram, InformationEntryPod. <laughs> oh, I make myself laugh sometimes, you know. Spotify yeah. and iTunes, wherever you can leave us a rating. <laughs> we appreciate it absolutely massively. Um, and a comment and a follow, whatever you fancy. Anything else to plug in at the end no. there, mate? No, I'm all good. Awesome source then. We will catch you guys the next week. Peace. Now for now.